This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Wednesday, July the 6th and the day after the surprise resignations the night before. And of course, we are going to start today with the fallout from the Health Secretary and Chancellor quitting their jobs. Sajid Javid was the first to go, saying in his letter to the Prime Minister, the people expect integrity from their government. He was followed just minutes later by Rishi Sunak, who told Boris Johnson in his resignation letter that he believes standards of competency are worth fighting. Well, several junior ministers have gone on to quit today, including Sevenoaks MP Laura Trott, who was a junior aide in the Department for Transport. There have been renewed calls for the PM to resign, but he said his job is to keep going. Well, the resignations followed controversy over the appointment of MP Chris Pincher as Deputy Chief Whip back in 2019, despite there being complaints about his behaviour. The Prime Minister had previously said he wasn't aware of the allegations. It then came out that he had been told about them, but had apparently failed to remember. Well, let's hear first today from Thanet MP Sir Roger Gale, who's been a long-time critic of Mr Johnson. He's been speaking to our political editor, Paul Francis. What ought to happen today is that the Prime Minister ought, with honour and dignity, to resign in the face of the resignations of senior cabinet members, a lot of junior ministers, um, some parliamentary private secretaries, and clearly considerable opposition from the backbench of the Conservative Party. That's what ought to happen. What will happen, I fear, because the Prime Minister has a great facility for self-survival, and this is about him. Um, He sees it as being about him not about the country or even the Conservative Party. What will happen is he will hang on. And therefore, I would hope and expect that the 1922 committee will do what it has to do, uh, given the changed circumstances, and change the rules and facilitate another no-confidence vote. What's the big issue for you about the Prime Minister? Is it trust and willingness to speak truthfully? Yeah, it's 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 quite it's it's honesty it's honesty and integrity. It's quite simply the fact that consecutively over many months the prime minister has been well, some would say economical with truth. I would say he's lied. He's certainly lied this week. And the letter from uh, Simon McDonald from Lord Lord McDonald, I think, spelt that out in diplomatic terms, rather more diplomatic than I have been. But nevertheless, bottom line was the prime minister lied. And Sajid Javid, in his letter, again, made that abundantly clear, as did Rishi Sunak, the ex-Chancellor of the Exchequer. He has to go. He can't stay on under these circumstances. Have you taken soundings from your members about the Prime Minister and what they feel about uh, his position and whether it's time to throw in the towel? He's a my character. I have the support of my constituency association who've been very patient with me because there are those who say with some justification, you know, that I've banged on about this for months, but for months I have been concerned about the Prime Minister's judgment. I don't think he is a fit and proper person to lead the United Kingdom. This is about the future of the country, not about the Conservative Party. We have major issues, cost of living, fuel prices, uh, 
Northern Ireland, war in Ukraine, that we should be concentrating on and addressing. And instead of which, ministers are sidetracked day after day after day and having to be sent out to defend the indefensible, the prime minister. We can't go on like that. We've got a good government. We've got, by and large, good policies. I don't support all of them, but by and large, they are good. We've got good ministers. They can't do the job. We need good leadership and we haven't got it at the moment. We're asking online today, should Boris Johnson resign over the latest scandal? You can have a say by voting. At the moment of recording today's podcast, 84% of you are saying yes, with just 16% saying no. As you'd expect, we have been in touch with all of Kent's Conservative MPs. So far, Sir Roger is the only one to share his views. And we know Laura Trotts resigned. Chatham and Ellsford's Tracy Crouch said she was unable to comment today as she's working in Belfast. The others haven't got back in touch just yet, but do continue to check Kent Online for any updates. You'll probably remember that Boris Johnson survived a vote of no confidence just last month. Well, could that happen again? Let's hear more now from our political editor. It may be that uh, MPs will vote to change the rules on voting for a new leader. Let's wait and see. But I think there's a fairly ugly mood amongst some of the cabinet colleagues of the prime minister. If you talk to activists locally, they are in despair at the government uh, because they're the foot soldiers who you need to go out and knock on doors during elections. And grassroots supporters of the party are frankly fed up with uh, one sleaze allegation after another. And it's uh, not surprising that uh, Sir Roger Gale uses fairly uh, strong language in his latest condemnation of the Prime Minister, who who you should say he's never really got on with. I'll be honest with you, I don't exactly know what happens next. Uh, There'll be a lot of conjecture about whether Boris enjoys the support of his Cabinet colleagues. If he doesn't, then that might be an important tipping point. And there's already talk of Labour calling for a vote of no confidence to be discussed in Parliament which could put some Conservative MPs in an embarrassing position. Thanks to Paul Francis for his thoughts there. Do head to Kent Online for any further developments on this story. You can also share your views there or via our socials. Plus, you can hear the most up-to-date news bulletins on our sister radio station, KMFM. Kent Online News. Some crime news for you now and a woman who killed a courier in a hit-and-run crash in Dover while high on cannabis has been jailed. The victim's body was discovered in a skip after he was knocked down shortly after collecting tests from a care home on Crabble Hill in December 2020. Donna Grant, who's 52 and from Fairway Avenue in Folkestone, admitted causing death by dangerous driving and has been sentenced to four years. It's emerged today a woman who was killed while walking in East London died from head and neck injury. 35-year-old Zara Alina was attacked in Ilford in the early hours of the morning last month. Jordan McSweeney, who's 29 and used to live in Rochester, has been charged with murder and is due to enter a plea in September. Two drug dealers who brought heroin and cocaine into East Kent have been jailed. Please have three hands! Have a ban. You're under arrest at the moment. Conspiracy to supply class A drugs. You understand what I said? 
Ben Wilders. That was the moment Ben Wilders from Halcott Avenue in Bexley Heath was arrested in August last year. The 23-year-old ran a county lines route into Folkestone and Herne Bay and won to Whitstable with another man while on bail. He's been locked up for four years. His associate got two. A Tunbridge man's become the first in Kent to be charged under a new offence of strangling someone but not killing them. The 33-year-old was arrested following allegations of assaults against a woman. Officers have brought charges under a new Domestic Abuse Act which came into force last month. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A man's been treated in hospital after being attacked by two strangers who turned up at his house in Gravesend. The victim, who's in his 50s, was repeatedly punched and kicked after opening his front door to the men in the Fenners Marsh area. We've got a CCTV image of two people detectives want to speak to. You can see it by heading to the website. Meantime, police investigating an attack outside a pub in Tunbridge Wells have given us an image of someone they also want to contact. A man in his 20s needed hospital treatment after being punched by a stranger near the Pantiles. Now, a huge operation to tackle the supply of small boats being used by asylum seekers to cross the Channel has resulted in around 40 arrests. Authorities in the UK, Germany, France and the Netherlands have worked together to target people smuggling gangs. Chris Farimond is from the National Crime Agency and says the investigation's been going on for about a year. Operation Punjum is the NCA's investigation into the supply of small boats, which are other things that actually bring people across the channel. But what's particularly significant is it about it is that we shared our intelligence with European partners, um, built uh, an operational task force with them, and today has been the culmination of all of those efforts. We focused on small boats and engines here, which are the things that obviously the traffickers need to get people across the channel. So if we could disrupt the small boat supply, then we would be able to uh, disrupt the traffickers' activities. So what we were looking for was um, supply chains, uh, warehousing areas, uh, people who were involved in bringing the boats forward, particularly out of Germany, into, um, into France, Belgium and the Netherlands, um, and uh, all of the uh, logistics around that. The logistics they were using here was they were purchasing boats in Turkey. That's not where they were made, but that's where they, they picked them up. They were warehousing them, they were transporting them across to Germany and warehousing them there or just in big storage facilities. And then as required for, uh, for crossings, they would call boats forward uh, in order to fulfil the number of migrants that they wanted to cross on a particular day. The scale of this operation, this is, this is the biggest small boats operation we've done now. That in itself perhaps is, is not such a big deal, but the fact that we have worked so closely with our French, German, Belgian and, and Dutch counterparts is huge. Uh, the Germans themselves have had over 600 officers out on the ground today. It's been a huge operation. This was the largest group that we're aware of and we've been doing a lot of work on this for a lot of time. This was, this was a very large boat supply group and, and trafficking. They were bringing people across as well. It will definitely put a dent in the trade but it won't wipe the trade out for good. More than 12,800 asylum seekers have made the dangerous journey across the Channel to Kent so far this year. A Gravesend mum's issued a warning to other parents after her baby suffered horrific burns. Carrie-Anne Doyle was at a cafe in the town centre when a teapot full of boiling water fell onto her son in his buggy. He needed multiple skin grafts and is now recovering. You can see the advice for burns injuries at Kent Online. Kent Online reports. 
Some stark news from a children's charity today. They're warning of a tsunami of online child abuse as grooming crimes here in the southeast have risen by nearly 90% in four years. In Kent alone, 841 cases were recorded by police since 2017. Hannah Ruchin from the NSPCC has this advice for parents. We really recommend having honest and open conversations with your, your children about what app sites and games they like to use, who they're speaking to, so that they know that they have someone they can come to if something upsets them online. They're welcoming changes to the online safety bill, which will give the media regulator extra powers to force tech companies to tackle child abuse on their platforms. There are calls for Rochester's nightlife to close at midnight to try and stamp out drunken fights and rowdy behaviour. A councillor's raised concerns about crime and noise in the high street. At the moment, some bars and clubs are open until 2 or 3 a.m., and businesses are worried closing earlier might drive people away from the area. Elsewhere, security cameras and lights are going to be installed in an Ashford underpass following concerns about safety. A woman was sexually assaulted beneath the railway bridge between Ashford International Station and the designer outlet last month. Bosses say the new security measures will be in force within the next few months. This, I'm sure, will get quite a few of you talking. A Kent care home cleaner whose boss threatened to sack her for being pregnant has won a £24,000 payout. Anna Burns claims she was even called pathetic by a now former manager at Tralley Rest Home in Tankerton for wanting to have a tea break four months from her due date. She's been awarded the money after bringing the case to an employment tribunal. A spokesman for the care home says they've put checks in place to make sure it doesn't happen again. Kent Online reports. Two people have been taken to hospital following a house fire in Rochester. Emergency crews were called to Rochester Avenue yesterday evening and the road was closed while they tackled the flames. At Kent Online today, you can see footage of a crash in Canterbury, which left a car on its side. An oncoming vehicle veered into the wrong lane on Hackington Road, leaving a man injured and his wife traumatised. The driver has apparently not been prosecuted by police and only ordered to do an awareness course. Now, a mum from Canterbury has been telling the Kent Online podcast how Tourette's isn't as simple as just swearing and shouting. Megan Shirley's 10-year-old daughter, Sophia, has the condition which causes her to jump up and down and rock on her chair. Megan says that teachers started noticing her tics when she was at primary school. She's been telling reporter Lydia Chantler-Hicks more about it in the hope of raising awareness. Sophia has always been a very dancey, energetic child. Um, She used to sort of twirl around quite a bit as a toddler. Um, And when she started school, we thought she's a little bit older now and it, it might ease off. Um, and every year I'd sort of meet with a teacher and they would say, oh, she's a little bit dancey, a bit fidgety, but there's nothing to worry about at the moment. You know, in a few years, if that's still happening, we'd worry. And that sort of repeated. And then we got to year three and it was, oh, if, if we're still doing this next year, then I think maybe we need to investigate. And then um, year four came around and within a term, the teacher said, oh, I think we need to have a chat about her movements. And it sort of went from there. We booked a GP appointment and within two weeks we'd been seen at the hospital and they diagnosed there and then. Um, I took some video footage of of Fear at home watching the TV with her brothers and they were just sat on the sofa not really moving around and she was rocking backwards and forwards and arms up in the air and twitching away Um, and it was quite noticeable the movements against general it wasn't a very exciting thing to be watching, um, but she couldn't keep still. How do you think, I mean, 
obviously Sophia's texts aren't necessarily what everyone would think of when they think of Tourette's. Mm. Are you keen to kind of raise awareness of of, of the different types of tick and, and how do you think people what do you think people should know about Tourette's? I think a lot of people when they think of Tourette's think of somebody shouting out profanity, um, swearing and it's sort of inappropriate language. It's it's quite a sort of stereotypical view of Tourette's and, and I would say that even before I knew about Tourette's, that's what I thought it was about. Um, but it's not just about that. It's There is a lot of motor movement. It could just be blinking of an eye. Um, Sophia sometimes rolls her eyes when she's in what they call a, a tick attack. It's sort of a sequence of, of ticks. So she might tense her shoulders, her arms come in, her eyes will roll, um, and at the same time, her, her lower body sort of tenses in and she can jump from foot to foot um, or it could just be sort of sucking sucking her teeth or or making a clicking sound it could be very very simple and, and not a lot of people that meet Sophia notice Kent Online News. We're being asked what we think about plans to create a new space for markets and events in Medway. Council bosses want to transform the paddock, which is between Chatham Waterfront Bus Station and the Pentagon Shopping Centre. A public consultation's running until the 17th of July. Now, despite all of the political shenanigans going on at Westminster, this is our most read story today. A huge python has been found on a country road near Herm Bay. The seven-foot-long snake was spotted by two cyclists and a van driver in Reculver and is thought to have been dumped by a previous owner. Reporter Joe Wright has the story. Stumbling across a huge seven-foot snake in the middle of the road isn't something which many people can really say they've done. Um, but for two friends who were on a bike ride around Reculver, um, that's exactly what happened to them. They were in Brook Lane when they came across this huge snake and it was just laying there sunning itself. Um, but it had a bleeding mouth and it looked to be in some form of distress. So um, rather than just cycle on and leave it be, um, they decided to stand around it, divert traffic and then um, and called the police. But as they were waiting, um, the snake started to sliver off. But one of the friends jumped into Steve Irwin mode, um, grabbed its back and sort of pulled it back from the field but it lur- the snake lurched around baring its teeth um, so it was quite a hairy moment um, then they did manage to flag down a man in the van and they um, wrestled the snake inside a dust sheet and then the police came and it was then put into a big sort of body bag and taken away um, thankfully the snake is now in a healthy condition and it's being looked after in a Herm Bay reptile shop um, it's currently rehydrating in a bath um, and it should eventually be rehomed once it's back up into um, full health. You can see pictures of the snake by heading to the story at Kent Online. Banksy has been made an honorary professor today of the University of the Creative Arts, which has campuses in Canterbury and Rochester. It's in recognition of the street artist's humanitarian efforts and the impact he's had on the global arts scene. A ceremony was held at the Royal Festival Hall in London. However, the chair was left empty as his identity remains a secret. And finally, the Rochester Castle Concerts kick off today. They're running over four nights with James Blunt taking to the stage tomorrow. Kent Online Sports. 
Football and the women's Euros kick off tonight and the Kent Online podcast has been told it's inspiring for young girls in Kent who want to get into the game. England take on Austria in their opening group match with 23-year-old Alessia Russo from Maidstone in the squad. Dave Marlowe manages the Football Academy who are running sessions for boys and girls across the county. He's been speaking to Jamie. We are looking to offer them opportunities that they may not get through their grassroots football clubs. Uh, and that's for boys and girls. And already this year, we have gone to tournaments at Charlton and Crystal Palace. We're playing uh, academy level football against Seven Oaks and Maidstone. Um, and it's just giving children the opportunity that, um, like I say, some of them won't have got through their grassroots clubs. Uh, good stuff. And obviously, Women's Euros starting this week, an exciting time for the sport, isn't it? Uh, it's a really exciting time for sport, yes, uh, especially for girls and ladies um, because these opportunities don't come around that often and especially for the, the Lionesses, uh, it's a great opportunity for them to go and show just how good they really are. And do you hope it will inspire younger girls to get involved in football in what is you know, known as quite a male-dominated sport? I think it already is. The, the growth in uh, girls and ladies' football is quite phenomenal. We, as part of my football club, we have four girls teams already. Um, They are looking at their England um, idols. Um, Some of them are obviously have ambitions and aspirations of playing football. Um, And some of those have actually gone to watch the Lionesses at Wembley already, which has been a fantastic opportunity. Um, So, yeah, I think it definitely is inspiring girls to play football, yes. And if people want to get involved with the Football Academy, how can they do so? There's two ways that they can do that. We run a development centre and an academy centre. We're also looking to branch out already into Ashford. Um, Anybody is welcome to give me a call uh, on my mobile number um, or they can email through to um, the academy as well. kfamanager Twenty One at gmail.com or telephone 07566220987 or WhatsApp me anytime. Kickoff at Old Trafford tonight is at 8. You'll be able to hear details of the result in bulletins on our sister radio station KMFM tomorrow morning. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone offering a range of new and approved used cars including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.